Yes, it's the place to be for all things franchising. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Today's topic is growing from small handy jobs to an IT company. It's the story of Brendan Green and Hira Hubby. Um, Brendan is a celebrity in the franchise world. He wouldn't like me saying that because he's a modest guy, but the reality is he's a director of the Franchise Council of Australia. Um, in 2017, he won the award, or his company did, for excellence in marketing. And last year, capped it off with the top award, Franchisor of the Year, accompanied by a number of his franchisees re winning regional and national awards as well. So we're talking to someone with a background in, in I suppose you'd say, very solid background in franchising, who's really uh, got a story to tell, which I'm looking forward to sharing with you. He, he launched his own lawn mowing business when he was 19. Uh, acquired Hira Hubby and has grown it substantially since he purchased that in the mid in his twenties. Um, he's also recently launched another business called Franchise Cloud Solutions as well. So Brendan is, without any question, a natural entrepreneur. When you hear what he's achieved with a handyman business, <laughs> sorting out next door's neighbours' problems, then you'll really understand why I say that. He he joined the franchise sector to say in ninety seven, only ninety seven. He's seen the growth of the business significantly. Uh, the brand has gone a long way to become uh, Australia's largest handyman business. Um, the Hire Hubby Franchise Network provides handyman, home maintenance, trades works and services for individuals, companies throughout Australia, New Zealand and the UK, all from that one franchise in 1996. So got a total of 350 franchises in Australia, 15 New Zealand and already in the UK, 25. Uh, Brendan has developed a great focus into technology when he's really used it to understand the way his business operated and his franchisees and he used that to grow the business on a substantial scale and uh, um, it's proven to be well worth the investment. He's used those tech solutions that he developed for Harahabi, uh, I think quite unselfishly really, to develop a leading industry software platform which I mentioned, Franchise Cloud Solutions and they're well worth a look at. Uh, quite quite a creation that he's developed there. Together with his team, they also provide the things that I think others don't, you know, coaching, mentoring services to emerging and established franchisors. Um, he's got the opportunity to share you know, 20 odd years of experience with other franchisors. So it's a way of really standing on his shoulders. He's uh, accredited as a, a member of the Institute of Certified Franchise Executives and uh, uh, as I say, last year he joined the Board of Directors of the Franchise Council Australia. In his free time, I don't know how much he gets, <laughs> he enjoys motorsports, uh, plays sport actively. He likes travelling and he enjoys spending time with his family. So uh, having said that, Brendan, welcome. Lovely to have you here. Thank you very much, Brian. That was very kind words too. I do appreciate it. No, not at all. I think every word is true and underlined. So great to have you here. So uh, just a quick reminder to everybody. Have a pen and paper ready, because I'm sure you want to make notes of different, different things that uh, Brendan will share with us. And of course, um, uh, as our members will know, a copy of this will be available in our members' vault fairly soon. And uh, that'll give an opportunity for them to listen to it again. Um, so, moving into it, I've got a range of questions here, which, which uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll be interested in hearing about. So, could you share with us, um, Brendan, with the listeners, the background of actually how Hire a Hubby came into existence. Probably like a, a lot of businesses out there, Brian, it was just one of those things at the time that uh, filled the void. The 
Uh, I think if you go back to the uh, early 90s when I had my lawnmowing business, um, I started to see customers say, well, look, if you're doing my lawns, can you clean the gutters? Can you, you know, cut the tree down? Can you take the rubbish to the tip? Uh, and on the back of that, um, there was an obvious opening in the marketplace for an extension of what was you know, lawnmowing and gardening services back in the day. Um, there's a lot of people in this day and age, and particularly over the last 20 years, um, that we've seen people are more inclined to you know, work harder and then in their spare time use it to do things they enjoy. Um, there's less of that, I guess, old-school generational approach to maintenance. As, you know, as a kid, I remember as a 10-year-old lying under the back of the old man's car holding up a gearbox for him. and you know, Those are the sorts of things that you, you learn as a kid um, growing up as a male in that stereotypical world. But things have changed dramatically now. Um, you know, when you look around, you know, the, the man about the house tag, if you like, um, people are very happy to say, look, that's just not my cup of tea. I'm, I'm not skilled that way. I don't have the tools. I haven't been taught to do it. Um, and it just really opened up a, a massive opportunity. And at that stage, no one was in there taking advantage of it. So we moved out of the lawns and gardens because there were already a couple of well-established brands in that space. And we thought, well, the gap between the average homeowner and your licensed builder, there's a lot of work there. So we saw the opportunity and, and jumped into it. Right, that's, that's fascinating, and yeah, you're quite right. I think we can most of us relate to that. So, what what is particularly interesting to me is the way you've created a pathway for your franchisees. They've gone from being traders to basically almost being mini entrepreneurs in their own right. Can you can you describe that journey to us of what you've developed in in the process of Tahara Hubby? I can, and I, I think the key to point out here, Brian, particularly if you've got emerging franchisors who are listening in today. Um, it is a long journey. It's not something that necessarily happens overnight. Um, Hira Hubby was uh, very, very technical back in the day. We had a triplicate invoice pad um, and we had Myob. So there wasn't a lot of technology in the early days. But um, as technology evolved and I guess we were the sort of business that saw that there was ways that we could do things better if we embraced technology rather than be frightened of it. Um, I don't have a technical background, so it wasn't something that was just a natural inkling. But um, as all of us are growing our businesses, we're trying to be efficient, um, we're trying to be professional. And I think the advent of text messaging and mobile phones, you know, back in that sort of mid, sort of late 90s in particular, um, text messaging messages out to our guys who are driving around in their vans or in the middle of doing things with their customers where they could receive a text message, simply type in a yes for uh, an acceptance of a job or an end for, uh, you know, can't fit that into the schedule. Um, that was the stepping stone towards what ultimately became our uh, solution that we use right now. So taking that basis of text messaging, we, we saw that one of the biggest things uh, we couldn't control in our business was the burnout of our franchisees. What was happening was they were becoming victims of their own success. They would do a good job for a customer, that customer would call them back again, they'd refer them to friends and relatives, their vehicle was out there every day being seen and that was attracting more leads. Our normal advertising was filling up their uh, opportunity barrel as well. So we'd have franchisees who could be the best in our business, you know, being finalists or winners of our franchisees of the year uh, this year and two years later, um, we were seeing some of those guys disappear through burnout. What we didn't know was, okay, I've got your... Yeah, financial data here that says here's your P&L result and I can see that I've given you 20 or 30 leads during the course of the month. What we couldn't see was the piece in the middle around their operational performance. So what was driving that financial outcome in their daily activities? 
we developed a solution on the Salesforce platform, which has now become Franchise Cloud Solutions, as you mentioned before. And essentially what it enabled us to do was to say, out of those 20 leads I've sent to Brian, how many of those did he accept? How many of those did he convert into a quoting opportunity, convert into an invoice? What was the average sale? What was the average gross profit? All of a sudden, those financial details and our insight into how our franchisees were treating their customers gave us an ability to help them project what they were likely to achieve when they'd need to bring their resources on to help them out and stop the burnout. So we developed this, uh, an internal concept we called you and two. So it was taking a franchisee from a man in a van, adding the staff member, adding another one at the right point and getting to a stage where those two guys were doing the work and he was sitting atop of the, the two workers and genuinely starting to run a business. So um, it was a process that took a number of years. Uh, it was underpinned by the embracing of technology and really just sort of simplifying what it was that our support team were looking at to keep our guys on track. So it's uh, certainly been a journey. Right, and I think you, you, you know, you've moved to the stage where some of your franchisees are literally regional franchisees. They have a warehouse and they have a number of vans operating. Is that, could you explain, expand on that a little bit? Yeah, look, I think for all of us as franchisors, um, uh, it's a curious relationship, the franchise or franchisee relationship. Every time you do something that your franchisees uh, receive and thank you for, they're, they're still looking for something else the next day. So you, you're never able to rest on your laurels and say, well, we've, we've done a good job. It's always looking to what you can do next to um, ensure that the value proposition is kept up to the franchisees. So we started to see regularly that our franchisees, if you think about a man in a band as a hire hubby franchise, they're working from home to start with, they've got a garage that used to park the wife's car and be a storage facility for the you know, household things that you need to store, but soon that you know, garage is taken over as a workshop, there's that much in the way of spare materials, there's ladders and tools and things like that, and all of a sudden that's piling up down the side of a house and she here must be obeyed, starting to get a little bit upset about it. And guys were then starting to look at you know, storage facilities, whether they were renting a local garage or a Kennard storage facility. And we just saw there was an opportunity based on some of those higher rents they were paying to actually move them into a warehouse. Um, we brought in uh, a fellow who comes to all of our conferences as you know, financial planner and advisor. Um, he helped our guys understand how setting up a self-managed super fund or a unit trust, uh, buying a property through that vehicle, paying rent to it from the trading entity was going to knock on the head the problem of storage, have somewhere they had as a genuine workshop, a meeting point for their staff if they had staff on, and you know, make home home again and you know, you could sit business over to the side. At the same time it was an asset accumulation strategy that was helping the guys get ahead financially. So it was considered by a lot of our guys to be a step in the right direction. Excellent. You know, I mean, it's pretty bold, I think, when you stepped out to do that. When I think the first bit of technology I think I saw with a franchisor was when I helped Jim Penman from Jim's Mowing sit up in Western Australia. We found his state franchisor for him and he had these pages and he, because it was a straightforward product, they could actually quote for a lawn on the, on the phone. So his, his guys didn't have to go out to do quotes. You, you, you can't avoid that because your jobs vary tremendously, I, I, I'm sure. But um, what they did was just, you know, he would get the work, send him a little message, Mrs. Jones, 53 Curtin Avenue, 330, $50. Um, so having gone from that to today, where I'm keen to learn a bit more about these job management systems you've got. So how much you can dig down. You said you're able to monitor the gap, you know, 
what they what, what they actually do with the leads you send. Could you describe that in a little bit more detail for us? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, yeah, if, just to give the listeners a bit of a laugh, particularly those who have a, a marketing fund and there's always a scrutiny from the franchisees who contribute the same. And uh, one of the, I guess, knee-jerk reactions of our field support staff is they'll be talking to a franchisee and he says, I'm paying you all this money, I've got no leads, what are you doing? Um, the field support staff typically run the marketing and say we need to do more marketing for, for Smith or Jones or Brown. Um, we're in a situation now where we turn that around and we say, well, before we do that, let's see what we've sent him and let's see what he's actually done with it. So we can then go through and say, well, of the 20 leads that we referred to Brian, uh, he's accepted 19 of those or he's accepted one of those. Um, so starting point is we know what your opportunity size was. So assuming you've taken those 19 on, uh, out of those, well, how many did you convert into a quoting opportunity and how many of those quotes converted into invoices? And we know just by virtue of the work we've done with our franchisees that every quote that's been followed up uh, a couple of days later is 20% more likely to get an answer of yes. Yet there's so many of our guys are reluctant to do that follow-up process. Um, they see it as hard selling, whereas there's a lot of customers who, if you don't follow them up, they see it as you're not being interested. So there's a whole range of considerations that you know, uh, we've tried to share with our franchisees so they've got some alternative perspectives. Um, the big thing about having this system is, you know, not only can we see that they've done the quotes, we can see what's in their quote pool. So how many uh, jobs are quoted and what's the dollar amount? Uh, we can see quickly what their cash position in terms of their debtors are. We can see all of those current conversion rates and the telltale signs as to where they sit in the business. Typically, somebody who's too busy is taking too long to visit clients to get quotes done. They're not getting the quote out to the customer at all. And if they do, they're certainly not following it up. And that has a, uh, a negative connotation when it comes to bringing the staff on because we've seen over the course of time, a franchisee will get himself to a point where he's, you know, if he's nominated, he wants to work eight to, uh, hours a day, five days a week. Um, he's you know, now moved into 10, 12 hours a day, sometimes working Saturday. And they're making the decision to employ their staff members when they're at their absolute busiest. Um, they are probably performing at their worst from a customer service perspective because they are so busy. They bring their staff member on and all of a sudden the work's dried up because the fundamentals of running the business with high levels of customer service have been sacrificed by leaving the decision to employ too late. So the use of this technology has helped us guide our franchisees you know, to be making that decision when they're at 80% capacity, not 110%. Um, it means that their customer service levels are still high, so their conversion rates are high, and they've got the work to satisfy the, the new employees that they bring on. So um, in the world of a job management system, um, it's certainly revolutionised our business. Our franchisees are growing a lot more comfortably now because they've got data to support when to make decisions, and their field support staff are educated around how to drive them to sit down and stop and actually spend the time to make these, uh, the decisions for the business that are going to be beneficial long-term. Yeah, I love this philosophy. I, I consider it a very unselfish philosophy. I know at the end of the day, you reap the benefits one way or another, but actually uh, growth is the most dangerous time for most businesses and franchisees are no different. So as you say, rather than get to 120% capacity, you've actually got the next step. So they're actually taking that bit of an investment, putting on a staff member, perhaps when they're 80% or 85%, so they can grow in comfort rather than grow out of, out of desperation when they're under stress. Um, I think that's, that's, that's a great initiative. Congratulations. I think there's a, 
a lot of people could learn a lot from that because often people only respond when it's absolutely critical and uh, it's actually a short-term philosophy, I think. Um, yeah, so, look, as, yeah, the other thing is as well, uh, one of the challenges we found with uh, small business owners, you know, particularly in the man in the van world that we live in, um, a lot of the guys perceive themselves as perfectionists and only they can do it. Um, yes. And the only I can do it philosophy is one that really puts you into the bind that is, you know, five days become six days become seven days. And that's untenable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've said at a couple of panels I've sat on in franchising before that uh, franchising uses the term lifestyle a little loosely, I believe, because, you know, yeah. there are certain businesses that people are getting into where they become a slave to the business. And uh, that was one of the things that we saw was causing the tenure of our franchisees to be less than what we thought it could be. Um, and on the back of that, we turned things around in our planning process and we introduced a philosophy where the you know, personal plan drives the business plan. So we're sitting down with a guy saying, why did you get into this business? Why do you want to be self-employed? And you know, what we found in the past is if they don't have definitive targets, then they feel like they're working hard for no return. There's no milestone or... Uh, achievement that they've ticked off where they can actually feel good about themselves and they just get into that grind and rut where they feel like all they're doing is working. So uh, personal plan, what do I want to do? I want to take four weeks off and I want to go here for a holiday, there for a holiday. I want to coach little Johnny on a Thursday night or take little Lucy to you know, whatever swimming lessons that she might do, play a bit of golf with the, you know, the mates or the wife on the, the weekend. Just putting those things into the diary and using what time is left to achieve the financial outcomes that are going to drive that lifestyle um, has then led our guys to understand, well, look, I can't do this by myself if I want to do all those things. I need to add one or two or three staff to achieve that outcome. So, uh, again, it was another philosophy that has certainly turned around a lot of the guys in our business and, and made their actions more purposeful. Excellent. Which saves you having to recruit and train more new people all the time, which obviously we all know is a time-consuming and expensive exercise. So, so I love the idea that you have those business plans for them to prepare together with you using those tools. So no doubt sometimes they're looking, they're being modest and looking to underachieve. I mean, how do you handle that if, if they, you don't think they're doing what they could be doing? Um, we're probably, because we're a flat fee system and hire a hubby, uh, the motivation for us as a franchisor is not to drive sales from them so I earn more. Um, what we're looking at is getting things into balance. Like I said, if I've got a guy who's a really good man to van, represents the brand extremely well, um, enjoys what he does and you know the lifestyle he's created for himself, we've actually gone the other way now where we say, look, to our franchise partner, if they're at a point where they don't want to grow anymore, but their territory is big enough for us to potentially cut it in half at their request, we'll do so. They get the proceeds of the sale from the second territory the benefit to us, obviously, is we've got a second motivated person inside the original person uh, and another royalty stream coming through in terms of the management fee. So uh, that's been quite popular in recent times and it's just another way to skin the cat which enables us to ensure the opportunities that exist in that territory are better serviced, but at the same time we're not pushing our franchisee to do something they don't want to do. Excellent. Perhaps I can just, just come in with something I haven't discussed with you before, but you've got a, you mentioned you've got a, a fixed fee system, a flat fee system. Um, what, what was it that made you decide to stick to that as opposed to the poor, probably more commonly used sort of royalty fee being a percentage of turnover or something of that nature? 
Um, I think just if you go back to, you know, 1996-97, you know, we didn't have mobile FPOS machines, internet banking wasn't around. Um, The the basis of payment was cash and check. Um, And let's be frank, in in the, I guess, the world we live in back in that time, the opportunity of doing a job on the way home, you know, on the way to, on the way home each day was significant enough that there was going to be an opportunity for customers to be paying in cash. I find the franchising relationships already curious enough in terms of franchise or franchisees. So if you can remove one of the biggest impediments to trust, which in, in this case for us was you know, cash payments and royalties, um, we just thought our business lent itself better to a flat fee system and, and that was the path we took. Um, interestingly, Brian, we did introduce a, a second tier royalty back in 2008 uh, and that was designed to... Basically, say if a guy uh, earned a, uh, an outcome for the month that was over you know, X thousand dollars in gross profit, only the dollars over that threshold would be subject to a royalty charge. And whilst it made us a few extra dollars along the way, we ultimately made the decision back in 2015 to scrap the uh, secondary royalty. The, the franchisees saw it because they were on a flat fee to start with, and that is a second kicker, that it was just one of those tax-like charges they were copying. Um, mm. The results that we got when we announced that at our 2015 conference was they're a little bit pensive to start with, thinking, is this some sort of trap? Are they, uh, they going to catch us with an audit now? But when they realised <laughs> 12 months later that it was genuine, um, the results that we've seen from our franchisees that we predicted would be the case have now come to fruition. We had six or seven guys do over a million bucks in sales last year for a little old handyman business, and there's probably 10 or 12 will do that this year. Um, so on the back of that, we thought, well, you know, we've certainly been able to justify um, in the years post-2015 a number of price rises to get into the business. We've certainly been able to justify an increase in the flat fee that we do charge as a consequence of the evidence that we've now got as to the financial performance of our existing network. So sometimes you can make it up in other ways. And um, you know, in this case, our franchisees have been, uh, I guess, impressed by the fact that we were prepared to... Uh, not be so greedy, I guess, in their eyes, and, and charge that secondary fee, and it certainly enhanced the relationship, um, you know, significant level. Yeah, you say it comes down to this trust, doesn't it? I mean, you know, I think human beings are naturally suspicious, <laughs> and any franchisee inevitably is going to be to some degree suspicious of the franchisor. But when you can be so sort of open and frank, and I suppose vulnerable uh, by doing things like that, then that obviously goes a long way to building that trust. Um, so, have you found your franchisees, you know, that you mentioned before, you know, the period of time they were with you before they got burnout, you know, it was comparatively short. What's been the impact of the way um, that their retention since you introduced the technology that you've got and things like, you know, balancing off those, those fixed fees and so on? Well, I think it's the combination of all those things you mentioned, Brian, that has kept our franchisees with us for longer. Uh, we're certainly ahead of what the average mobile service tenure is for, uh, for franchise uh, retention now. Um, I think the combination of the things we've talked about, but we also have a very uh, proactive approach to our interactions with our franchisees. So uh, we have a thing we call cell groups. So a cell group is like a geographical cluster. So uh, I'm based here in Sydney, so the eastern suburbs or the southern side or the northern beaches. But we'll have eight or ten franchisees in each of those groups. I'll catch up on a voluntary basis on a, uh, might be the first Tuesday morning of the month and um, I'll rotate around the eight or 10 different franchisees locations. I'll pick a prominent 
street location with a cafe buying up all the horror hubby vehicles there. Uh, becomes a marketing stunt for the owner of that particular territory. The boys get together and talk a bit of shop. Uh, field manager comes along from head office just to be there and give them any updates and be a conduit back to the office if there are any questions, etc. Um, we do a monthly financial review after their P&Ls come in, which is just done over the phone typically or if they're close by, you know, it might be a catch-up over a coffee. Short, sharp, just to sort of keep on track with what their nominated goals are and see that they're on their way to achieving or making the appropriate corrections. Uh, a lot of our guys then come into a quarterly support group meeting. So there's a, an opportunity to work around the table with the peers of similar size businesses, go through the benchmark reports and other things that are relevant. And it just helps our guys stay on top of the franchisees they look after, keep them, you know, uh, focus on the targets that they've identified at the beginning of the period. So I think the combination of doing those things, the use of the technology, like you said, and, um, I guess that care factor, which was, you know, caring for the financial results that they were getting and achieving those goals they'd set for themselves has uh, enhanced the support that they then give us when we go through our recruitment process. And Hora Hubby's been particularly successful at recruitment. We're doing 45 new units a year typically. So um, I think it's on the back of all those things we've done to help the franchisees that um, they now choose to help us willingly. Right. So the amount of support that you have to provide to your franchisees you mentioned these monthly clusters or cell groups so that's just franchisees on their own meeting is it generally speaking yeah look they, they turn up uh, the franchisees we typically have a field manager go along there as well so it's usually okay. done as a breakfast meeting um, our guys are yeah, they operate in the trade space so an early start for them is normal and the field managers are in the roles understand that the people they're looking after that's the time to catch them when they you know uh, yeah they've got their undivided attention and it's obviously just once a month as well, so it's not a, a major burden on their time. So the quarterly ones are more focused. You'd have more senior team from the from the support office out there running through plans and so forth and so on. Would you? Is that the idea with those quarterly ones? Yeah. Look, the, um, uh, with our system at Franchise Cloud, um, that was born out of what we were doing at Hire a Hubby. And, um, you can set up a, uh, a there's a meeting module in the system, and you can identify who's attended. Uh, those people can set what their action plans going forward for the next quarter are. Uh, so if each of us have nominated, we're going to do three things, we can see what the other has done, whether they've completed the task they set for themselves, they're in progress or they haven't started. So it creates a little bit of a peer pressure to you know, aim up and do your bit to you know, turn up at the next, next meeting and complete what it is you said you would do. Um, it gives the convener of the meeting and the field manager a chance to just double check what it is that they are you know, supposed to be following up on. So easy to access, permanent record of, you know, what it is that the franchisees have identified as their goals and then we work towards helping them achieve it. So it's just um, makes that sort of uh, management process that bit easier. And obviously you've been working on it for a long time. 20 years is a, is a long time refining it. So, which is what I find interesting in looking at the fact that you're still moving, let's use the word aggressively, but in a, in a, in a, in a practical commercial sort of sense, you're still growing at a really worthwhile rate so you, what, what's your long-term plans for the business, uh, Brendan? Um, look, I, I'm still, I, I started the business when I was in my 20s. So um, whilst I've been in it for over 20 years, it's, um, I'm still, well, I'm certainly not classifying myself an old man yet, Brian. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, at the moment I've got some interest with uh, Franchise Cloud. Obviously, um, that sort of opened up a whole raft of opportunities that I certainly didn't anticipate. We've been doing a, um, a lot of consulting work for emerging franchisors who 
saw our technology as being something that could help them, but then wanted to understand the methodology that drives the technology. So uh, we've done a bit of work with some franchise groups who were you know, probably struggling a bit with their recruitment. Um, our system obviously helps out you know, with the compliance piece as well because it creates the franchise agreement and updates the disclosure document automatically when a, a new guy starts or somebody ceases. Um, so they're the sorts of uh, opportunities for efficiency improvement. But the ability to manage the relationship and having all the data at your disposal um, and then explaining what, where and how we use that data to better manage the network is where some of the emerging franchisors have been wanting to extend what it is they do with us. So, at the moment, we've uh, we've taken back our master franchise in the UK. Um, a lot of our franchise cloud clients are going overseas, so there's certainly some uh, international opportunities that are opening up for us across both the brands. So there's plenty to keep us busy, and um, it's still enjoyable. You know, uh, I think that's the key thing. We're enjoying the opportunity to make it better than it was yesterday, and whilst that continues to be something that you know, I guess stirs the pot, we'll uh, we'll keep going forward. Yeah, interesting to hear. I, I spoke to John O'Brien from Poolworks, who many of you may may, may know of or listen to uh, one of his podcasts. So uh, he, he's had a few lessons he's learned with setting up overseas. Interesting to hear you you brought back the master franchise. And that's quite a responsibility to take over um, operating it uh, overseas yourself. So um, what brought that about? Or how, how have you effectively done that and still maintained operations uh, in, in Australia and maintained your sanity as well, Brendan? Um, a lot of people think that, you know, with you know, um, a lot of interest, you're going to be extremely busy, but um, I certainly enjoy it. I took four weeks off over Christmas and uh, I've been t- taken you know, between 12 and 15 weeks off a year prior to starting Franchise Club. So um, you certainly get a balance. But in terms of, you know, uh, John's experiences. I had breakfast with him when one of the last times he was back in Australia, and uh, he took a different path to me in relocating over there for a big chunk of the year. Um, I had a couple of my staff that have um, one guy brings up 20 years this April, and he was just looking for his next challenge. Uh, he had a British passport. We had a horribly underperforming master franchise in the UK. We, you know, we'd gone from 18 franchises back to six. And uh, we took it over uh, about 20 months ago with six franchises. It's now sitting at 27. So I think having people who've sort of, I guess, grown up in the culture that we've created and the the hierarchy business here in Australia, for them to take that over and and live it over there and then build the team around the same philosophies, um, it's probably a a justification for doing that rather than having the master franchise. Uh, Master franchises can certainly work. I, I was actually out with a master franchisee in a different brand last night having a chat and he's a very successful guy uh, who's done very well for himself. Um, it's just on this occasion, we, the people that we partnered with weren't giving us the outcomes that we thought were um, a fair representation of the market opportunity over there. And you know, I think we've justified that now with our decision to put our own people in there and see the business grow to the level it has in a short amount of time. Brilliant. So using your existing resources to a fair degree to actually uh, uh, plug the gap, if you like, and, and move it forward. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, one of the, the things that we've we've done reasonably well at Hira Hubby is we've got a lot of people who've been with us for a long time and there's a lot of people who've moved from one role to another. Uh, probably the best example of that is I had a franchisee join us in 2007. Uh, he moved into the office to become one of our field support staff uh, members had a bit of a slant towards IT. So when we launched the first Salesforce-based CRM system into the Hira Hubby business, he took up an internal project lead role and 
over the next few years, we took him through a qualification process where he's now a Salesforce developer. Uh, he now is the general manager and runs the day-to-day operation of Franchise Cloud. So he's a classic example of you know what a career path could look like if the framework's there for people to be able to tap into it. Obviously, you've got to have the conversations with your staff to see what their desires are. And there's a lot of people motivated by opportunity to, to do something different. And um, you know, I think the UK experience for us came from a conversation, an annual performance review with one of our staff saying, well, you've said to us if uh, we wanted to have a look overseas, let, uh, let you know when there was a window closing for him based on his kids and the school time. So we made the decision based on his desires and the underperformance over there to, uh, to pack him up and move him over. And like I said, it's been a, a good decision for us. Brilliant. Perhaps can you, if I haven't exhausted your information that I've been, uh, been, been, been seeking from you, um, could you just expand a little bit on Franchise Cloud Solutions, if there's perhaps a bit more to add there before we move towards wrapping up, Brendan? Yeah, sure. Um, I was, uh, I'm a member of the CES group. For, for those who don't know, the Franchise Council of Australia have a thing called CEO Stream, and it was... Uh, created about three years ago, it brought together a bunch of CEOs from non-competitive brands where we can sit around a table and speak openly about our challenges and use each other as sounding boards. Uh, people obviously have a lot of experience and a lot to offer one another. So um, one of the conversations we're having as a group came back to how much money franchise brands were investing in technology. And um, there was a group of about 14 of us in the room and I would say 50% of them had spent or were planning to spend seven figures on technology or, like I said, had already spent it. If you break franchising down into its big pieces, we're all doing everything largely the same. Yeah, we might have a slight nuance on how we do things, but we all need to recruit. We all need to comply with the franchising code of conduct. We've all got to onboard our franchisees. We've got to maintain records of key communications with them. Now, we all do an audit or a business review. Yeah, I provide handyman services my, as my end service. And you mentioned John from Poolworks does what he does with pool maintenance, et cetera. And there's people providing courier service, travel service and haircuts. Um, but all of us had six of the seven parts in common. So um, given we'd already built the, the product, we suggested uh, in a conversation to the CES group that we do a presentation on what we built. And about a third of that uh, room decided they wanted to have a look at it and instead of going building something themselves, said, is there any way we can license access to what it is that you've created? So um, we'd already thought about it as a concept, but having that validation from a, a bunch of established franchisors gave us the confidence to go out and take the Hara Hubby model and white label it. So in essence, it's a strong CRM that provides um, you know, a franchising flavour within the CRM, if you like. So it's capturing the key information that we'd all want to capture from a franchise candidate after we've taken them from a basic lead, qualified them, et cetera. Gives you the ability to store all of the key information. So once they've signed their franchise agreement, that lives on file. You've got all of their information from their next to kin through to their renewal dates and disclosure document updates happening all in the, the system. And it gives you that important franchise management piece. So you know, for all of us, uh, it's unfortunate, but there will be times where we're having a few tough moments with our franchisees. There's a requirement for us as franchisors to capture and keep records of some of those communications we're having. So this just becomes the repository where everything's accessible to everyone in the business who needs to be able to see things. Date and time stamping of you know, the interactions. It can link your emails coming off your Gmail or Outlook straight back into Salesforce so you're not doubling up and popping things over. It's all designed to make it 
easy for a busy franchise executive to be able to feed what they should into the system and the management team to be able to access what they need to anywhere, anytime with the connection. Listening to that, it's really mouthwatering, I've got to tell you. So, and it's certainly an endorsement. I mean, what a great endorsement to have those significant franchisors, you know, sort of approaching you and, and, and using your services. So that certainly got you up and running. So, and of course, that was awarded the Franchise Innovation Award uh, a couple of years ago. So congratulations on that. So that's, yeah, that's not picked up easy, lightly, I know that. Um, so uh, that's excellent. So um, what I'd like to do is just perhaps ask at this point, um, if you give us a bit of wrap up of where people can go to get information with regards to hire a hubby and, and indeed franchise cloud solutions depends on their point of interest, Brendan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, and both of them are fairly simple websites, hireahubby.com.au and franchisecloudsolutions.com. Excellent. Okay, so they can go to your website if they want to speak to somebody, they can, they can put an inquiry form or something like that on from the website. Yeah, absolutely. And particularly with Franchise Cloud, it's, um, you know, we just, you know, typically ask the question of any of our potential clients. What's the problem you're trying to solve? What is it you're using at the moment? And what are you lacking? Um, we'll then give an honest appraisal of whether our system can accommodate what it is that they need. And, yeah, quite often, like I said, because we're all recruiting and probably one of the things I should point out, Brian, in this day and age and the feedback that is, you know, right throughout the uh, franchise sector at the moment is that, Recruitment is tough out there. Trying to bring franchisees on is not something that people are finding easy. Um, we've got a very well-structured approach to how we use our database. So out of our 45 new recruits last year, 15 of those came from leads that were in our database that were older than 12 months old. So having a frequent enough connection with them, but not to the point where you're annoying them, and having the right type of information that gets them opening your emails, uh, has certainly been something that's worked very, very well for us. So uh, what we're trying to do is we bring our new clients on is you know, essentially show them what we've done there, help them with a content calendar, help them get connected with their databases and you know, ideally see their, uh, the numbers of new recruits go north and, um, and help them get on the, the growth journey that they're all trying to, to achieve. Well, sounds like, sounds like it's a fantastic resource. So um, just before we wrap up, Brendan, any, anything that's occurred to you that we haven't discussed so far, anything you'd like to add at all? Um, look, I guess, you know, given my time in the business and I understand uh, it's a big journey for all of us and particularly the emerging groups, like I said, um, one of the things I've seen in my conversations with a, a number of franchise cloud clients is, is in the early days of you know, growing your team and, you know, and looking to put people in the right positions, um, what we see from time to time is that you've got people that are sharing a recruitment role with an operational role, for example. Um, if I could give any advice, I'd say that recruitment role is so critical to the growth of your business that any distraction created by something like operations, which can always uh, you know, have a reason to have somebody go and get focused elsewhere, uh, I would certainly be dedicated around a good quality recruitment resource. There's a few misnomers out there, in my opinion, that uh, a lot of people talk about awarding franchises and treating the process purely like a HR recruitment process. Um, let me qualify that I agree you've got to bring the right people in and we certainly are very vigilant around that at Hira Hubby. But what I do see is that um, there's a lot of people letting um, the brochures do the talking for them and you know, a lot of automatic communications without the human interaction. Um, what we believe is that if you've got a candidate who's looking at your franchise right now, the possibility is they can stay in the job they're already in 
get another job in the same industry that they're already in or a different job altogether. Buy your franchise, buy a different franchise, start up in competition to you. If you're not selling them the virtues of why your opportunity is a good opportunity, then there's potential candidates getting lost. And I think there's, in the conversations I've been having, a, probably a little bit of a lack of selling to the right people that you've identified as being a good fit for your business. So if that's something that people could take away and, and help them in some way, I, I hope that, that's what it does. Very wise words. Uh, and uh, uh, last, uh, perhaps the last mention, I know you're very heavily involved, obviously, on the board of the FCA. Any recommendation you'd like to make to sort of emerging and, and other franchisors with regards to the FCA? Yeah, look, we came out of a board meeting yesterday and I've sort of just taken up a role on one of the membership subcommittees because I think um, there's plenty of us that have been around the block a few times now. And I know when I was starting that, you know, I was a sponge. I wanted to learn from people who'd been there before. And you mentioned John O'Brien. John was a guy who I certainly saw had, you know, was ahead of me at the time as far as his knowledge and systems, etc. So, you know, being in a, a room where I can access those sorts of people and, um, and, and hear from them what they were doing, who they were using for their legal work or their IT or their insurance brokers or whatever it might be. So um, I would suggest that yeah, sometimes people question the value you know, in the membership of the FCA, and I certainly understand that. Uh, I think what it comes down to is participation. Get along to those events. The more people you meet, um, the better your network becomes, the more people you can reach out to. Um, we're talking about you know, in our CEO stream, uh, trying to create some ways and means of having an emerging franchisors group where they can come into a roundtable, non-competitive environment, and then bring in some people that have been around the block a few times and say, okay, well, this person's got some strengths in marketing or recruitment or in operational support or whatever it might be, and just give these people access to, you know, just hear some alternative views to what they might have already conjured for themselves, and you know, hopefully that might just help them, you know, uh, fast-track their journey and, yeah, we all like to do things without burning our hands from making mistakes, and that's certainly something I'd, I'd like to see more of for the emerging franchisors. I think that's a brilliant idea. Whoever came up with that concept, uh, congratulations. They've uh, certainly got its support for me, and uh, something I'd recommend people perhaps contact the FCA and uh, their local, their, certainly their local chapter, and uh, if, if news comes out about these groups, certainly put your hand up because... Uh, there's so much to learn. Um, Brendan, thank you so much. Really, really been delightful chatting to you. I really appreciate it. Um, so everybody, uh, put, your, put your hands together for Brendan Green. And, and I just say we're indebted to you for giving us so much of your time. Um, you talk so freely. And I know you, you've got a busy organisation and a big company that you run internationally. So um, thanks very much indeed. Great to hear your words of wisdom. And uh, as you said, if you'd like more information, by all means, go to the Hire a Hubby website. Um, no problem at all. It's all there. Um, alternatively, go to Franchise Cloud Solutions. So having said all that, um, thank you very much indeed. Look forward to catching you all with our next radio show. And uh, Brendan, thanks very much indeed. Great to hear from you. Thanks very much, Brian. Appreciate being on the show.